We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to the final preseason edition of Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro, joined by Norm Hightower and Derek Ciapala. We'll get right into things. We're going to start with roster cuts. The first player I want to talk about is the Rams, after they did their 53-man roster trim down, cut Akeem Ayers. Why? Obviously, there was some sort of an issue there, whether it was his salary or, you know, maybe Ayers wanted to leave. Uh, maybe they weren't happy with his production. Maybe they think uh, a younger player can come in and do the job. It's hard to say, you know, without knowing anything personally. They talked about trying to bring him back, but that's obviously not going to be the case since he signed with the Colts. So either they have somebody else in mind or they have somebody else that's going to step up and take his place that we don't know about. I think hearing, you know, Fisher say, well, these young guys battle is concerning me. So you have a, a, a linebacker who I wouldn't say has been great or anything, but someone who's shown some ability on your roster. And he doesn't even make the team. Doesn't, he doesn't even make the cut for the team. Not even the backup. Then you're going to say you're going to these young guys battle. You must have a lot of faith in Bryce Hager and some of these young guys who are still there. It also, again, knowing that, you know, we like to bring them back, Fisher saying that, hitting at a lower pay. His pay wasn't that much to begin with. So I'm not sure what the deal was, but to sit there and you know, let a guy go who's somewhat proved himself in the NFL. It's concerning to me. On the same token, you already have Al. You know, you already have Baron there. You already have Baron, and you have 
Ogletree sitting there as well at linebacker. So it's really just that one position to be worried about. It could be worse. I honestly think this is bad. Like, this is kind of like the DB situation times 10. There are no backups on the roster that can play. I know they don't want to pay Ayers. I think that had part of it to do with it because they paid Barron. They're going to pay Ogletree. But who on this team can step up and play that role? Bryce Hager's been a decent, at best, backup linebacker who I don't really think is going to be able to step in and play big minutes on a defense that's supposed to be a, one of the better defenses in the league this year. I think the D-line and Barron and Ogletree might be able to cover it up during the season, but I really don't get why they would do this and not have a backup plan unless they really know something about one of these backups that we don't know. Well, I think they do. I think they're going to put Maurice Alexander up there, run more of an eagle defense or a nickel defense, yeah, and roll with that. I think that's what they're going to do. Well, I think that's a big possibility. And, you know, I, I don't know what I've seen of Forrest look good. You know, he's definitely a rookie, but he's got some speed and he can hit. He's definitely more like Ogletree than he is, say, like a Laurinaitis or an Ayers, where he's got the speed to go from sideline to sideline and make the plays. And, you know, maybe they're going to do between that and, and what you're talking about, Derek, with, with putting, you know, a nickel back in. I think if they're going to switch the whole defensive scheme and go with a nickel back there, then, yeah, sure, I get it. But to me, it's kind of like Akeem Ayers is probably the linebacker talent equivalent of a guy like Case Keenum. And... They're, they're rolling with him as a starter instead of letting Goff go out there and develop. But with the linebackers, they're going to let whatever rookie linebacker they're going to have go out there and develop. If they go with Mo Alexander, like you said, it's a different story. I just think where the team is at, they're clearly in a win-now mode. They want to have a good season. I think you should just kept Ayers on the team and rolled with him. Well, then you have the issue of now we only have three safeties on the roster as well. So we're we're definitely where defense was our strong place before even though we were concerned about the secondary now now it's a little more concerning considering airs is gone and we only have three safeties on the roster and you know there's speculation that the the reason that there's only three safeties on the roster is because dante whitner's still out there and that you know he may come into play but i wouldn't even be comfortable with him coming in right now because of the fact that he didn't go through camp and doesn't know anything about our defense they can't just plan on plugging him in week one so if they do go with the nickel, then that, again, what's that do to our safeties? So I'm as concerned about safety as I am about linebacker right now. So I'm hoping that there's some kind of greater plan in place where they're, they're going to have some miracle signing or something where somebody's going to come in or one of these rookies is just really good and we just haven't seen it yet through hard knocks and preseason. Winner may be that guy. He might be that guy you're talking about. What happens with them carrying seven receivers is they get a couple guys back off injury and so on. So for all so they release one of those receivers and bam, you have your safety coming in, moving people around to linebacker. I think that might be it as well. You know, it's only they keep saying this roster right now is fluid, and right now that means seven receivers. I don't see this team carrying seven receivers and ten so, offensive linemen. Yeah, and so I expect some movement there, possibly even before Monday night. I think that's possible. I think we can transition into receivers from there. The Rams did take, as you said, Derek, seven receivers. They kept Michael Thomas, Nelson Spruce, Bradley Marquez, and a man not loved on this podcast, Brian Quick. Notable cuts were Duke Williams, Austin Hill, Paul McRoberts made the practice squad. I think 
this is the right group of receivers. Duke Williams not getting signed yet. I think that means there wasn't really much there. Do you guys think they made the right call with these seven guys? I think they did. I think they made a, you know, they made a wise decision with what they had. Looking at the roster right now, look, looking at who's available in the, in the, in the market for them to move around. I didn't see anybody that really kind of, you know, took my eye, except for maybe, you know, Dante Whitner, who's been rumored to sign with the team since, oh, Christmas. So, I, they made the right call in that area. It's going to change. The roster's going to change no matter how we see it right now. You know, I was kind of hard on Marquez, and I, I didn't think he was going to make it, and his injury came in, and you know, I really thought that was going to be the end of him. But towards the end of the preseason, he started to show some flashes of why he's there, and he's definitely valuable on special teams. I'm not big on quick still, but the fact that you have, you know, McRoberts, who showed, I think, that he could be a receiver in the NFL. He's just young and needs to learn a little bit more. I think they did, you know, and obviously, like you said, Duke Williams, he didn't impress me in the games. I don't think he must have impressed them in camp either. I had high hopes for the possibilities of what he could do, considering what he did at Auburn, but uh, it, it, it just didn't come to fruition. As far as Nelson Spruce goes, I'm glad that they took him just from one preseason game, because I think he's going to be an asset to the team. So I think that, you know, you've got a couple guys on there that we could definitely upgrade. I don't have any faith in Brian Quick, but who knows? Maybe he'll show up and put out that kind of season that we've been hoping he would do. So I, I think they made the right decision as well. I really can't see Quick being a breakout star anymore, but you had to keep him on the team because there's a lot of young guys and you need that experience that he provides. I also am glad they took Spruce. He was clearly the most talented of the rookie receivers, and he's the only one that really went out there and really showed that he can play. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't see what experience Brian Quick brings to the team at this point. What, drop passes? Bad routes? Do you, you know, talk about influence on younger players. That's not the kind of influence I want. Now, if this guy's coming to camp working hard and he's just not there yet, that's a different story. But in-game experience, he's not showing anything that will help these young players grow. That's in-game. So to say, well, he's going to be this influence on them, I don't buy that because he hasn't done it. He's never had that breakout. He was close, got hurt. But he's never had that moment where he said, okay, you know what, um, an NFL receiver that is worthy of this much, making this much year and worthy of consideration for a Pro Bowl or even being a full-time starter. I think it's less on what he brings to the younger guys and more on if we cut him, the receiving core will be Kenny Britt, Tavon Austin, and then guys that have not done, not that Quick has really done anything, Lee, but guys that just haven't had reps in the NFL. Marquez has been around, but he hasn't played. If you're running a three-wide receiver set, it's Britt, it's Austin, and then it's a rookie. I think Farrell Cooper is the guy that has the potential to step in and produce, but he's a slot guy, and Spruce is still banged up, so I don't think he's ready to step in there right away and play opposite of Britt. I think it has to be quick until we can mix the younger guys in and get them experience, and hopefully they surpass them on the depth chart. Well, I think that's part of the reason they signed McRoberts to the practice squad because I think he's got he's got good potential. You could very well see Quick going down and perform, and I think they won't waste any time in the beginning of the season. You know, and of course, most of the time, anybody who's guessing is wrong when it comes to the Rams and Jeff Fisher and Les Snead's decisions. But I just see that they're going to give him give him a chance, and if he can't go out there and perform the way that he's supposed to, they have seven receivers. They can easily get rid of one, and he would be the guy. We also mentioned before that we kept 10 alignment. One thing I was bummed about was Hard Knocks, darling. Eric Cush got cut. 
I thought he proved enough to make the team, and I think he did because he got signed by the Bears pretty much immediately. Did you guys agree with who they kept? Do you think him or somebody else should have been on that roster with the O-line? I think that they should have kept Cush over Demetrius Rainey myself. I totally agree. I mean, I, I agree as well. And to to keep 10 linemen, that's what you, you kind of need in this league nowadays. Linemen go down. How many injuries to the offensive line have we seen in the Rams in the last three, four years? So to keep 10 oh, linemen, wow. even though they probably won't, they won't keep 10 linemen a whole season. I'm sure they'll go down once the roster settles, but I don't I don't have a problem with it at all. I think nowadays, they're trying to protect your quarterback. It's wise. I think Kush had a lot of potential, but and he was obviously, you know, highlighted a lot on Hard Knocks because he's kind of a funny dude and he's got the, you know, the fancy tank tops and stuff to go with it. And, you know, as much as I like the guy in that respect, if you watch his game tape, you know, he's a pretty good player. He's not, he's not top notch, but he's not, I mean, he definitely would have made a good backup. And what's Rainey done since he's been here? He hasn't done much of anything. And from what I saw in the preseason, he didn't play very well. So I don't know if it was a money issue. Uh, they figure they have to pay Cush more than they'd have to pay Rainey or, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand the logic behind it, but yet I'm not there every day to see what's going on. When push comes to shove, Les Snead and, and uh, Coach Fisher, who have to come to decision make, come decisions on not just the player, but the salary. And I don't think there's that much of a difference in the two salaries, but nonetheless, we know there's a bunch of different contracts coming up next year. And that, that might, again, might going back to Ayers, that might be the reason why Ayers is like that. You know, other extensions coming up next season for players you want to keep, and even two years down the road. It's just something to think about. Sometimes these decisions baffle us, but maybe there's more method to the madness than we can really think of. Well, I'm sure there's financial implications in most of all this, but it's we we as a as a public can't really see that without you know doing the math and being an accountant of everything that's going on and knowing how to work the cap and and so forth. So I, I agree. It, some of these decisions probably have to do with money in one way or another. Yeah, I think the Ayers cut is definitely a contract move. Although, if they need to pay someone next year, like everyone said, we're not experts, but what does cutting him this year do in terms of next year's book? You just cut him in the offseason. Yeah, it's hard to say what's going on there. there. There's obviously something that we don't know. So, the Rams, it's pretty much confirmed that Jared Goff's going to be third string and inactive week one. We'll start with his preseason uh, he started against Minnesota, threw a touchdown. How do you guys think he played that game? Did he look like he's getting more comfortable and more ready? Eh, I mean, it's it's more of the same. You know, good moments, bad moments. It, it's eh. You know, I, I'm not buying into what we're seeing on social media and other websites talking about how Goff is, you know, he's a bust and so on. I'm not buying that. You know, he had four preseason games. You know, he's learning the offense. He's, you know, to try and compare him to anybody else is ridiculous. It's just not the same. It's like a student in the classroom. You put them next to another student. They might have equal potential, but they grow at different rates. It's not going to be the same. So I'm not going to buy that he's a bust or that you know these kind of eh performances that we're seeing out of him are indicative of him being a player who's going to be a bust for us. I'm, just, I'm not seeing that. Quite frankly, I, if you look at it in perspective of let's look at last year and Mar Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston starting for their teams, you know, they did okay. They didn't do great. They had some really bad games. Mariota hurt his knee. They didn't take him to a winning season. And well, let's face it. The Rams just moved back to LA. The LA wants winners. And I think right now 
the best chance for L.A. to win is to have Keenan or Mannion at quarterback. Um, I thought that when they drafted Goff, and and I was I was higher on Wentz than I was on Goff, and I would say the same thing about Wentz. You know, I I think they're going to go with who's going to have the best chance to win. And, and second of all, what's wrong with giving a kid a year to practice, to get to learn the offense, to get to adjust to the speed and those kind of things out, so that next year he's ready to come out and rock and roll. And and that's how I see it. I think all the talk about him being a bust and all that is just a bunch of crap if you want my opinion I I don't know if he's going to be an NFL superstar I don't want to predict one way or the other but I can tell you it's way too early and I'd much rather let him have lots of time to develop and learn and Keenum's a good guy to learn from Keenum doesn't have the arm that Goff has but Keenum knows the offense he's smart he can obviously you know score touchdowns because look at what he did in college but I, I honestly don't care if I don't see golf play all year. It, it doesn't concern me. And I know that drafting someone number one overall, there's expectations there, but I would much rather see them develop him and get him used to everything for a whole year before they throw him out to the wolves. And, and, and also, look at the preseason games. Guys were hammering him. Why do you think they were hammering him? Because he's a first-round draft pick. They want to go out and say that they did that to him. I mean, there were some pretty bad hits on him, and – if he's not ready to play, why put him out there and put him in danger? You're investing a lot in him by drafting him number one. So just give him some time to develop. If we see him this season, it's going to be towards the end of the season, I think. He may make it to a number two spot, but Mannion's looking pretty good. And I don't think Goff has shown that he can play better than Mannion at this point. So, you know, if we see him by week eight, week nine, if we don't see him at all, I'm fine with it either way. I I agree with both your guys' points. I think he needs to say he needs time to develop, and it's not the end of the world. He's not a bust. I think he'll still be a good player in the league. But when you give up picks to move up to number one and take a guy, it's frustrating for fans and probably the the front office that he can't go week one. And I think if the Rams come out swinging the first couple weeks and miss their games, we're not going to see him all year. And I don't think it's the end of the world either. We took him. We have to deal with it. We have to move on and develop him as a prospect he should be. But when you trade a first-round pick for a guy – that you took number one, you basically sent two first-round picks on this guy, and he's not going to play all season. It's tough. And, Norm, you compared him to Winston and Mariota. I think they're both much better prospects, and they were shaky at times. But Winston was second in Rookie of the Year behind Todd Gurley. I think they're both much better prospects, and they didn't have to move up to get them, and they both started week one. That's not Goff's fault. No, I, that's, that's not, not Goff's fault. fault. But, you know, the, the, let's go, going back to that draft, you know, many many experts had the quarterbacks going late in that draft, going golf going in the middle of the first round. The Rams felt there was a need for a quarterback, and they went and got him because they they didn't know who was going to take him. And that's not Goff's fault. Is Goff a better prospect than Mariota? No. Is Goff a better prospect than Winston? No. But he's who they have. And quite frankly, going back to our quarterbacks all the way, the Rams quarterbacks all the way back to Mark Bolger in his prime, they've had nobody. I would take just a quarterback who, who can have an 85 rating, who will throw 25 touchdowns a year, 12, 13 interceptions, not not outstanding, not not horrible either. You know, I'll take that. And if we get that in golf, I'll take it. And that's worth the first-round picks because that's all they've needed the last couple of years. You don't think we have that 12-touchdown-a-year guy already? We have, I think Case Keenum is that. No, 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 no. I was saying 25 and 13. 25 oh, okay. touchdowns. I'm, I'm and and. And I, you know, I don't know if Keenan or Emmanuel will be one of those guys either, but 
if looking at the Rams' front office perspective, they already made all the moves in the first round to get linebackers, to get you know wide receivers, and so on and so forth, and Tavon Austin, now Colby. So what they spent then turned around and traded one away because you had to get somebody who they can invest in in the future. I'm not this stuff about well he's this person a better prospect than this person. In the end, it doesn't matter because the Rams needed a quarterback in this draft. The other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, the Rams had a bunch of picks that they got from RG, the RG3 trade. So they they were able to stock up with a lot of first-round picks, you know, the past few years. So trading up and losing a few first-round picks for a guy that you think can be your future quarterback isn't that big of an expense to say maybe somebody who hadn't made that trade and didn't get that quality of talent in getting so many first-round picks. So, you know, I look at it as, they came to the conclusion that Goff was their guy. If Goff turns out to be a bust, that's probably going to mean Fisher and Snead's jobs, and that should be expected. But I understand the whole concept of, yes, they gave up picks to get him, but Derek's absolutely right. It's not Goff's fault. Goff needs to come in and learn it at his speed. And, you know, you see guys coming in that are going to be starting this year. Dak Prescott's, you know, he's looking good so far, but this is preseason. You put him out there in a live game situation, what's going to happen? How's he going to really look? And you put Wentz out there. Are they putting Wentz out there by trading Sam Bradford just to – because Wentz is ready? I doubt it. I think they're looking at this is going to be a 500 year or less, and we need to set ourselves up for next year. And Bradford's not their guy, so what are we going to do? So, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily go with the whole he has to play right away if he was drafted number one overall. And they moved up to get Austin at number eight. And, you know, let's be honest, Austin ha- Austin had some great plays and some good punt returns and stuff. But as a receiver, he didn't do all that great his first year. And he was a top ten pick. So I, I say give him time to develop. Bring him in when he's ready. Uh, this is one thing I totally agree with Fisher on. If he's not ready, I'm not putting him in. There's no reason to. And I think Keenum and, and Mannion give him the best chance to win right now. We're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors. Today, we'd like to thank Legal Shield for sponsoring us. If you need legal assistance for any issue, want unlimited legal advice, and have the ability to get your will created and protect your family for less than $20 a month, Legal Shield is the place you should go. Just click the link at the bottom of the article, and it'll take you right there. Yeah, speaking of the Eagles, former Ram first overall pick, like Goff, Sam Bradford, was traded to the Vikings for a first-round pick. So basically this gives the Eagles their first-round pick back that they get Wentz, although it'll be a much later pick than theirs will be. And this gives the Vikings a quarterback who I think this year is probably better than Teddy Bridgewater. Do do you guys like this move? I personally think it was the right call. I don't think they had much of a choice after losing Bridgewater. I mean, who's their backup? We've seen him many times. (laughs) Sean Hill's a a, a viable backup, but he's not a great starter. And the Vikings are in a position... I think they could maybe make it all the way this year and and very well could have made it all the way this year if they had Teddy Bridgewater. But with Bridgewater out for the season, they had to make some kind of move because when you have a window, you've got to, you've got to take that opportunity and this is their window. So I think it was a great move by Minnesota. And I think the Eagles are content, like I said earlier, with a 500 season or, or less as a training year and building year for their team. And getting their pick back, I, I think it was good for both teams all the way around. I, I see Minnesota getting criticized for this, but, you know, we'll, we'll never know how good Sam Bradford could have been for the Rams. We'll never know. 
he was put into a bad situation from the get-go, and I'm not saying he reacted all that well to it, but we'll never know. But you know what? Putting Sam Bradford with North Turner in Minnesota, that, that should raise some eyebrows. That should raise a lot of eyebrows. So, you know, what can potentially be done up there that we're not thinking about? We never, we never saw Sam Bradford with a great offensive coordinator. We never did. And now, putting him in North Turner's offense, I think there's a lot of potential there if he stays healthy, which we never know. So I, I, just, I think this is a great move for Minnesota in that it's their window, just like you guys are saying. I think that Norv Turner is kind of like the missing link to all that conversation. We're not hearing about Norv Turner, because, but at any time you can get into a Norv Turner offense, you're going to be a better quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Sam Bradford have a, have a solid year this year out there in Minnesota. Yeah, it's a great fit for both sides. I think they pay to see price. But like Norm said, you're not going to the playoffs with Sean Hill. There's just absolutely no chance. We've all seen him play. You're not competing. With Sam Bradford, he's definitely shown flashes. He had a pretty decent year last year. You put him in offense, it's a great fit for him. The run first, that's definitely more to his style that he played with at Oklahoma. And when he's successful on the Rams, I think he's going to have a big year. And I think that this keeps Minnesota in the conversation to make a run deep into the NFC playoffs. And on top of that, this gives Teddy Bridgewater less pressure to be ready for week one next season because they'll have Bradford locked up and Teddy can get a full two years of recovery. And based on what doctors are saying, that might be what he needs because it was a bad injury. Agreed. So Rams, week one, they're playing the final game of the week in primetime, not the home opener, which to me was a little bit confusing. But we've got the 49ers week one. What are our general expectations and thoughts on this game? We better win. That's my expectation. It's hard to say right now because we don't, I, I don't believe the team we have now is the team that's going to be there Monday. And it's going to really depend on what kind of signings they do and who they bring in before I'll really have a grasp on what I think they might be able to do. Uh, you know, like we spoke about earlier, unless they have some magic up their sleeves with a few players that we've overlooked that can come in and start. So I'm, I'm looking for us to be better offensively than we have been the past five, six, seven years. And, uh, you know, I want to see what our offensive coordinator has dialed up for our team. I want to see our offensive line stay healthy through the first game and go out and give a strong performance. I'd like to see Gurley put 200 yards on the ground and just good, solid football is what I expect to see. What I think is going to happen, I think the Rams will win it, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. And I happen to know a lot about Chip Kelly, and I, I have a, a few ideas that he might have some things up his sleeve as well. So I think it's going to be a tougher game than people think, but I think the Rams will win it by a touchdown. I'm thinking it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I'm thinking Chip Kelly's going to test that Rams secondary immediately. I think he's going to try and work that secondary out. It's really, to me, it's a question of can you get pressure on Blaine Gabbert, and can you cover that's, it's all about the defensive game. I'm not even worried about the Rams' offense. I know they're not going to score a lot. Okay, it comes down to the defense in this game. Will they get pressure on Gabbert, and will they cover? So far in the preseason, eh, the first two preseason games, we didn't see a lot of coverage. We didn't see a lot of anything. Those second batch of games on the road were better. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at what do we see and what do we expect. I'm looking at a low-scoring game. I'm expecting Chip Kelly to, to challenge that secondary see how ready it is, and I expect it to be like a 13-10 game, 16-13 game, real close, real low scoring. Uh, that's why I view it. So who do you have winning? 
Rams. Let's take Rams by three. Well, I can tell you one thing that I do know about Chip Kelly is our offense needs to put drives, long drives together down the field and convert third down and keep the defense off the field as much as possible because he may not do the hurry up quite as fast as he did it in Philly, but he's he's definitely going to have them going a lot quicker. So our defense better be in shape, number one. And number two, our offense needs to put together long drives to give them plenty of rest. If they can do that, then they'll beat, they'll beat the 49ers, no problem. But if they can't do that and they can't convert third downs, which has been a problem of ours for quite a few years, Kelly could really wear out our defense, and it could be a lot higher scoring game because of that. So hopefully our offense can put some good drives together. I think it's a trap game. I think the Rams will win by four, but I agree with you guys on Chip Kelly. He's going to test them. Luckily for us this week, I really don't think the 49ers on offense have enough talent to absolutely tear up our secondary. I think we match up decently, but they're going to get tested, and it'll be a good – it's a good way to open the season for them playing against a team whose passing attack isn't unbelievable talent-wise so they can adjust and get ready for the season. But I think it's going to be a little bit sloppy, low-scoring, and I definitely agree with Norm that they got to control the ball and put drives together. And luckily for us, I think slow and steady is a good trait that Case Keenum has. Moving forward after this game – the Rams do start the season with a pretty light schedule at Arizona's the toughest game. Home against Seattle is always a tough one, too. But other than that, at Tampa Bay versus Buffalo, at Detroit versus New York, that's a stretch that we got to do good in to make the playoffs, I believe. Do you guys think that we succeed in that stretch and down the road have a winning record and possibly get into the playoffs? You know, I'd love to say that the Rams are going to go 10-6, and six, but... Every time I do that, it always ends up seven and seven or six and eight or six or eight and eight or whatever. I get the numbers all screwed up, but they don't usually put the product on the field that I expect them to put on there. This year, I don't think that they're going to do any better than they have in the past. Maybe a little better. I think it's overall, it's going to be a little bit of a disappointment. Are they better than the Seattle Seahawks? I, I, it's, it's hard to know yet. Um, I don't. I think Arizona's going to win the division. Uh, I think the Rams have a shot at getting second in the division if they can beat the Seahawks, and that's their only chance to make in the playoffs. Yeah, their schedule's easier in the beginning, but, uh, you know, it's hard to have faith. So I, I'm going to say that they go 9-7 and seven at the best, probably 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm going to differ, and I hate doing it. I'm going – this team, to me, from the secondary – um, to the linebacking core, you know, even at receiver, there's just too many question marks, too many holes. We gave up a lot to go get golf, and I'm fine with that, but we still have holes. And those holes we can't even fix in the next draft. Like, so we, we have to give away first and thirds for the 2017 draft. I'm looking at this and going 6 and 10. 6 and 10, they don't make the playoffs. Fisher's fired. I mean, that's how I view it. It's just looking at the schedule. Yeah, it's an easier schedule to start the year, but then that, that mid stretch there is going to be tough. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I just can't look at the schedule and go, you know what, this is a winning season for the team. I just, the talent's there, and I just feel as though, man, if we had this talent a couple of years ago with a quarterback, it'd be a different story. Yeah, I think if every single thing goes well, the peak for this team is 11 and 5 in a wild card. But I don't, I'm with you guys. I don't think that's going to happen. I think 8 and 8 is my expectation. Maybe that 7 and 9 bullshit Jeff Fisher doesn't like. Maybe. I think, though, those first seven games 
are what's going to define the season. Because if they start out bad, if they start out, say, like, three and four, maybe they drop a game at Tampa and a game at Detroit. If they start out three and four going into the bye week, there's no doubt in my mind that Goff is playing for the rest of the season. But if they come out four and three or five and two, Case Keenum will keep playing. And even then, I really don't see them making any noise. I just, there's too many questions on that defense, and there's not enough talent on the offense around Gurley yet. I think when they add a receiver and they add another DB and Goff develops next season, maybe we'll have something promising going into the new stadium. But I don't think it's this year. I really just see it. I mean, 6-10 and ten to me is, I hate you guys are going to think I'm nuts. I think that's the high point. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong. I think 6-10 and ten is their peak right now because of those holes. And I don't trust Fisher Ball. And, and you know, to me, this is his last season. He, he was hired to get the team to L.A. Well, now he's down there. And I just don't see him being there next year. I, you're hearing about talk or extension. I don't see that. I don't see anything sticking. I see this guy gone at the end of the year, 6-10. and 10. Start our new era next year. Well, I think our defense is still going to be really good, even though we have some holes. I, I think a lot of it depends on our offense. You know, can Case Keenum be that guy until Goff's ready? And can we start the season strong? And if we do, and if they build some momentum and go, you know, five and two or four and three or whatever, you know, can they carry that momentum and the confidence and keep doing that? You know, I think you're right, Steve, in the sense that it's going to depend on, say, the first five or six games, how they do, and that's going to define the rest of the season. And, you know, hopefully they can put something together, and, and we always want them to be better than they've been. And it would be great if they are better than what we think they are. But it's no offense to the Rams, but I, I've been a fan since 19, you know, in the 1960s. And it's been hard to have a lot of confidence, especially in these last 10 years, so to speak. So I, I'm just really, I think these first games are really going to define what's going to happen. And I think if they, they don't go over 500, I think you're right. I think Fisher's gone. If they can go over 500, I think he may be there another year or two. You know, there is one thing about this team, and they remind me a lot of the 1990 Giants. You know, they're going to run, run, run. They're going to try and run the clock out. They're going to beat on you. They're going to beat on you. Defensively, they're that aggressive. They move to the football. You know, they have a pass rush. They remind me of a lot of the 1990 Giants. The problem with that is that's the 1990 Giants. This is 2016. Offenses are built differently now. Defenses are built differently now, and you can't be as one-dimensional as that team was. The team passed the ball when it had to. You can't do that now, and that's kind of where I see this team is gone. They they have. I'm not blaming Case Keenum. I actually think he could be a solid star in the NFL. The receivers aren't there for him right now. That may change, but I just don't see it. I just oh gosh, I, I wish I could say something different. Well, if Austin can have the year we've been wanting him to have, if Britt can can step up if Tyler Higby can come in and, and really be that red zone threat that we all think he can be. Cooper, you know, hasn't looked awesome in preseason, but he could step up and show that he's a real pro. Nelson Spruce, like I said earlier, could be, be the next Ricky Prohl or, you know, one of those guys. I mean, it could happen. It's just when there's been a could in the conversation with the Rams in the last, you know, 10 years, it's usually been can't. Um, I'd love to, to, to just go, they're going to be 10 and 6 this year. It's going to be an awesome season. I don't have the confidence to do that, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be quite as bad as you're saying, Derek, but you know, you could prove me wrong too. Oh, I hope I'm wrong. 
I hope I'm wrong. This isn't one of those cases where I'm cheering. I hope I'm hoping I'm eating crow at the end of the year and I'm saying, hey, look, you guys are right. I was wrong. You know, I'm just I, I guess I'm more conditioned to be pessimistic at this point. You know, it, it is I just man, it's just hard to you know, we've all been there. We've all you know, a couple of years ago, we were expecting this team to go in there and win the division and they weren't even close. And, and two games. You just come, oh, gosh. And, you know, never forget. It's just one of those things where you, you know, you try to have optimism going into the year and. I'm not trying to let all the personal feelings get into it, but I'm just looking at the roster, looking at what they've done, and looking at the draft and things. You know, linebacker concerns me, safety concerns me. I'm even a little concerned about the defensive line. You know, when you lose someone like Chris Long, even though he was aging, when you lose that presence. What happens? But how is the chemistry change on that defensive line? You know, but you know, we could also be different. They could they could mow through everybody. You know, you could have Todd Gurley run for 100 yards a game, Benny Cunningham coming in there for another 50 yards a game, and all of a sudden they could be just this battering ram for most of the year and plow their way to 10 wins. Well, and, you know, know, a lot of our offensive line now are second-year guys. You know, I think Jamon Brown's going to be a good player. If Saffold can finally stay healthy, if Robinson can finally be worth the pick that we gave for him, you know, our offensive and, – and, and our center, he's – he, he's improved. He's definitely worked on his strength. He could be that guy now that we've been looking for, and I hope he is. If our offensive line is good and they can stay healthy with a guy like Gurley and then having Cunningham, who also has shown that he can be very good, if we can run the football and play decent defense, you know, we may not have to have the best receivers in the world. I think Spruce is going to turn out to be a, a real solid guy. And I think Austin hasn't had enough weapons around him to where they could just focus on him. If now if they can take the focus off just him with Gurley and, and maybe Farrell Cooper and, you know, there's some real possibilities there. But there's a lot of ifs and the, a lot of those ifs have to be good ifs if they're going to come out of this season well. And it's just been our history that those ifs haven't been good for a long time. Too many ifs. There's definitely potential though. I mean, I agree with you guys. I really, I'm not optimistic, but let's say I am optimistic. You look at the first seven games. If we're running the ball well, if the pass rush is cooking, the thing that needs to change and has been the staple of the Jeff Fisher era is they never win the games they're supposed to win. When they're the favorite, for some reason, they always lose. And you look at the first seven games. At Arizona, you mark that off as a loss. And then home at Seattle and or one of the road games, you got to mark one of those as a loss. They got Buffalo, New York at home, at San Francisco, at Detroit, at Tampa Bay. Those are games the Rams should win. And if they happen to win those games, you're, you're starting out five and two. They could, I could easily see them just limping to five and two out of close wins that they somehow pulled out. I personally think it'll be more three and four or four and three, but I wouldn't be shocked if they start out five and two and actually look like something, even if they don't really actually look like something with their product on the field. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. <laughs> That's it for this week's edition of Rams Talk Radio. The Rams play Monday night, 10:15 Eastern, against the San Francisco 49ers. We'll talk about it next week. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. 
No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in a mate. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.